as many as I can see. I was going to say you all. <laughs> um, this morning, as we get together um, to sit around God's word, um, this morning, if you're just joining us, and um, we are actually today continuing a, a series that we've just recently begun. And as we go into today's installment, let me pose a question. Let me pose a question and um, one I want us to think about as we go along into the Word of God today. Have you ever had anyone challenge your faith? challenge you to the point of listen you either put your fate to one side right now and do what I'm asking you to do <laughs> or there'll be serious consequences even to the point of death something that amounts to obeying God disobeying God whatever it is you're asked to do or put the question another way, do you have any convictions, beliefs about God that you will not compromise? Even if it means, hey, I could potentially lose out here quite significantly, quite seriously. Things are looking good, but listen, if I start representing for God now, this is, you know, probably have a voice if not a person directly confronting and saying look man this is going to cost you you know this is going to cost it's real we're talking big things here this is not a joke how do we go about preserving ourselves our station our place where we find ourselves where we especially if you if it's something that you know yeah god's been good Things that, you know, as, as we like to, to cite, you know, the lines are falling for me in pleasant places. Everything's rosy and really cool right now. In fact, it can only get better. But then, life happens. <laughs> what would your response be? This brings us to our third installment in the series based on the um, book of Daniel, which we've captioned or titled, God is in control. God is in control. I suppose as we go into the, 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 the reading now and then I open up the text, um, my prayer is that you know, God would indeed guide us and help us answer that question. Because, let's face it, I mean, a recent experience, even just with the explosion and the explosion of more, uh, social media through this pandemic, all kinds of new, new uh, you know, social media platforms are just really taking off on levels, you know, there, there's... I've recently found out about Clubhouse. Oh my God. It's like you enter into a hallway and there's all kinds of conversations going on left and right. And they just look unassuming. They look straightforward, easy, simple things to talk about. But you'll soon find yourself getting cancelled. <laughs> if, and for those who don't know, <laughs> it's like you're being put out there like, hey, Avoid this guy or this girl like the plague. They are something else. They don't fit. They're not welcome. Make a pariah out of you easily. How do we cope? How do we respond? Who's, who's going to get, you know, parked for the moment? And how will things pan out for us? 
With that, um, let's turn to the third chapter of Daniel. I'm going to read um, the text. I encourage you to please open in your Bibles or your phones to Daniel chapter 3. I really would encourage you to read along. <clears throat> and it's a long, well, not very long, but we'll read through together and then we'll walk through and try and answer that question. What we do if we find ourselves on the horns of that dilemma? Daniel chapter 3, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version today. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, to you the command is given, O people, nations and men of every language that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn flute lyre trigon psaltery bagpipe and all kinds of music you are to fall down and worship the golden image that nebuchadnezzar the king has set up but whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a furnace of blazing fire therefore at that time when the peoples heard the sound of the horn flute and so on All the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Easy. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made. Very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the, furnace, the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression was altered towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders that to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes, and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the kings, high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on their bodies. On the bodies of these men, nor was their hair or of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other god who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. This account is true. Lord, you have given it to us for this time that we may find encouragement that we may place our trust, that we may even resolve the question. When our faith is confronted, Lord, how do we come out of the dilemma? Should we deny you? <laughs> Shall we make concessions or compromise? Lord, speak to us even as we walk through this today and let your name, your grace, your help and indeed your renown be known, Lord. Even in our situations today, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank God for his word. And we just walk straight in to what really is hmm, an unexpected situation. Because at the end of the last installment, um, Denzel took us through how God gave 
his secret, revealed um, his counsel in dreams to the king. And even prior to that, we saw Pastor Ephraim tell us about these good-looking, gifted, quick to understand, able to serve in the king's palace, young men, you know, that Nebuchadnezzar took into his palace apprenticeship, the apprentice, Babylon version, and God gave them such skill in all literature, in wisdom. None was found like Daniel, like Shadrach, like Meshach. Did I say Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach? Yes, and Abednego, because that's the name the king's eunuch chose to give these boys or these men. And God gave them favor in resolving palaver for the king. He had a dream, couldn't figure it out. But God, they sought God's mercies. Daniel and his friends, these, these three men, whose name we've heard several times as we read through the passage, as they were called by the Babylonians concerning the king's secret. And, and God gave them favor, showed them mercy because their lives were at, at, at stake. And in response to that, the king promoted Daniel and set them over the affairs of the province of Babylon. These guys during their apprenticeship, looked better than all the others who were in the program with them. The king interviewed them personally. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Nice place to be, right? Top of the class. Handsome guys. What didn't they have going for them? But as time goes by, a day comes and there's a memo for everyone to attend the dedication of the image that the king has set up in their province. It's compulsory. So this isn't one you can avoid. Well, we'll just go show our faces and leave. You know, we don't see what... We, we actually don't see what they did during the, the main event in the first seven verses because we hear that the music went, the symphony, the orchestra played, and everybody. You could just imagine it in sync if you've been to one of them big events and all stand, please. You hear the chairs all go in sync. Please be seated. But... How would anybody notice that these three guys of everyone just did not bow down? Why would they? Was it because they aced them or left them in the dust during the apprenticeship program? Still weren't happy that they were, they were Jews, captives. But then they're better than us. Native Chaldeans, I mean, after all, the king's one of us. Was that it? Do we have situations like that where we find, hey, we're up in the running. Things are good, but hmm. we have to look over our shoulder to see who's watching what we're doing. So we don't get dropped in it. Well, we don't see what they did, but the Chaldeans do, and man, it's a scandal. It is a scandal. I mean, we've, we've witnessed scandals in our time recently, right? And these are the guys who are governing the, the province. They turn up. The statue is in their province, and they don't even have the decency king. To bow down. They don't have the decency to respect you. 
they accused these guys to the king. We, we see the accusation in the first um, section of the text, verses 1 to 12. And verse 12 in particular says that they have not paid regard to the king. This is what the guys are reporting. They don't serve your gods. They don't even worship the golden image that you set up. You can just imagine the whispers in the venue. I thought these guys were meant to be better than all of us. Well, clearly they're too good to bow down at the sound of a symphony. Didn't the king interview them himself? How come the king's command means nothing to them? What should these men do now that they've been forced to surface? Have they simply maintained a low profile as, concern, as, it, as, as far as it concerns their faith or their belief in God, their worship of God? What's the experience with us? These, these are things that we can easily relate to. I just talked about finding yourself cancelled on social media because of your views. This is not something that's just old and ancient. They're living examples. I think I've mentioned here about a guy called Felix Ngole who found himself expelled from his university doing a social work course because of his views, some of his Christian belief, his views that he posted on, a, on, a, on his Facebook profile, but that Others found and reported him to his university. And he got expelled off the course. What should these guys do now? Simple solution. I guess there are a few options. You know, they could just... Okay, King... Sorry, we were a bit tired. We didn't quite hear the symphony when everybody else was bowing. We can just do something privately. We'll go there after hours and just, you know, do a little curtsy, touch this, the thing and, and walk away. After all, what harm is there in doing a little bow to an image? No big deal. An idol is nothing, right? But... <laughs> Questions arise. Who did they really serve? If they're in the king's government and he calls them to this occasion, but they're not doing the king's bidding. Would things be the same if they actually just bowed down and afterwards, yeah, we did the bow by force, but yeah, we just did it. No biggie. <laughs> Would that be the end? Would anybody come... Gotcha. You bowed down. You worship the image. You believe in this image, don't you? You worship the, gods, the, ki the, the king's gods, don't you? Really? So what was that then? <sighs> what we see here is um, really more than it, more than meets the eye. Because there are a few things we have to consider in this. Remember, at the beginning of this um, series, we went through the fact that these guys were no nobles of noble birth. From God's people, the kingdom of Judah, but then they find themselves in exile, in captivity, serving a foreign king. But hold on, I'm scratching my head here. Is that meant to be happening? Is that supposed to be happening at all? I mean, God's people should really be enjoying themselves in the land, right? In God's land, in God's presence, like um, Redenzel took us last week. And... But that's not the case. They're away from God's land in another country. 
under the rule of a foreign king. Something's wrong. And yes, something was wrong. A lot was wrong with God's people in their land, in their relationship with God. That's led to this. And informs the stance these guys take. Because as a matter of fact, Jerusalem and Judah has been taken away from, from, from Judah into exile in Babylon. Because God's had it with their unrepentant decision and choice to worship other gods, to go after other gods, to go after other idols, contrary to what God's word says about having other gods before him. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 7, I wonder if this is one of the things they had in their minds as well. Did they have it in their mind that you shall have no other gods before me? One of the Ten Commandments? Or did they have the other one that you shall not make for yourself a carved image of anything? They didn't make the image, but then the image was there made already. All they were invited to do was just come and, yeah, take part in dedicating it. Not us, yours, but yeah, we'll dedicate it with you. This is part of the things that led to them being where they are now. In captivity. So hold on. What really is the choice? What could they expect if, in fact, they determined, yes, no big deal, at least we're safe. We've got nice, cushy jobs here. In the government, in exile, it's rosy. We're close to the big boys. At least God has put us here. So it can't be so wrong for us to... But hold on a minute. The reason we're here in the first place is because of this. Idol worship. Could they be thinking, hmm... Maybe God would understand. He would not be so vexed if we just went back afterwards and prayed and said, God, you know, this is a foreign land. They worship idols. You know that. But as for us, we're your people. These guys are kind of exempt. You know, live and let live. My truth is you. Your truth is idols. Is, is the truth divided now? Is God, God in Israel alone or in Judah alone and, and not the God of all the earth? Key questions they have to consider. But the, the fact remains and the point is this. These guys have determined that, you know what? Hmm. Seeing where we're at, knowing why we're here, and knowing why we've been taken away and removed, and of course, knowing the promise of God that his mercy still remains. When we turn in our heart, fully seeking after him, remember... They didn't take part already in the king's food and wine laid out for them during their apprenticeship. Food straight from the king's table. Time would not permit me to go into why they would not partake in that. But then this is a foreign king. This is a nation that God spoke openly and clearly to Israel or to Judah, you guys have gone a-whoring with these people after their idols. They, w like Denzel described for us last week, a very wicked people. Reflecting also in their worship. But they've borne this in mind that, you know what? 
and this is one thing to resolve, God alone is worthy of worship. Why put ourselves through this? Why put ourselves in a place where we worship what we know is not God? And you know what? This is something else that would help as we consider the accusation and what they, and the crisis they find themselves in. Yes, things are going well. Things are going good. You couldn't have had it better. Top of the class. Imagine. Nebuchadnezzar says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you're hired. I mean, what would they not have at their disposal? What authority would they not have of the king to govern over the province? But recognizing that, as we saw in um, the first installment, that God showed them favor. God gave them favor. It wasn't so much because of their wits or anything, but they determined they were going to set themselves apart and keep themselves for God. No one else, no one less, but for God. And God showed them favor. So, if God has favored us and brought us to this good place, now we find ourselves in a bind. Um, excuse me, God, I'm coming. <laughs> Let me just handle this. I'll be back. Is that when to abandon God? Let me just go for a bit of, you know, a dedication ceremony out here and I'll be, I'll be right back, God. You understand, right? I mean... With such favor, grace, mercy, what's the plight of those who were left behind in Judah when you come to think of it? Destitution, desolation. I mean, after that raid where they got taken, there were several, there were two more raids, there were two more, more onslaughts on Jerusalem until it was destroyed. Would they have preferred to be there perhaps? But this was kept here and preserved by God's grace. And um, indeed in their position, who would want to be there and see what they're experiencing prolonged because they make a choice to just continue what has brought them there in the first place a little bit of idol worship not nothing not not so big you know picture that comes to my mind and i think i've i've heard pastor rob use this illustration before you know imagine you make the best the best blt sandwich for yourself and it's so great it's lovely just take a little bit of Ah, this is gross. Maybe people eating here. <laughs> but take a little speck of, of, of something that should not go in the mouth and just sneak it in that BLT. It'll like just squeeze, like just squeeze me. <laughs> sneak in that BLT. It's still the best BLT, isn't it? No, it isn't. That would just make things worse. They're already in a bad way. Let's not make it worse here. So, quick questions. Talking about God, who, is, who alone is worthy to be worshipped, who do people have in mind when they talk about God with us? Who do people have in mind when they talk about God with us? Is it just the God who is only loving and that's it? He's not able to, he doesn't uphold justice. He doesn't, um, he doesn't bring judgment upon the world for wrongdoing. After all, the, the common thing out there is God is love, right? That's the thing. Love is just a common thing among all the gods. They're all the same. 
No, but God alone is worthy of worship. And in the place where they find themselves, just the thing to note as they consider this accusation, as we consider it too, is that God allows the faithful, those who he has, who he has graced and helped to be tested. One more thing. Note that throughout this reading, and even in the accusation, these guys are called by their, the names that they're given by the king's eunuch, by the handler, so to speak. They're called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are not their names originally. These are not their names originally. But this is who they are accused as. And notably in this, in this passage, Daniel is not even in the picture. So it's like these guys have been brought out, just singled out for, yes, we're going to get you. We are going to get you and we're going to get you good. Because in relationship to, in, in concerning their relationship with God, these guys probably know that God has shown them favor. These guys also know that they worship God. They value their relationship with God. And now in this, if you like, dark time, this dark time of their lives, it's a time to actually think about God and remember God. Because um, in those times, rather than walk away, rather than abandon God who has helped us, that, that, that hymn comes to my mind, Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. He is the one we would do well to remember and recall. And at this point, it's, it's worth just considering who these guys really are. They called... Um, they called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're real names. Does anybody remember them? I had Mishael over there. Hananiah. Azariah. These, these names remind us who God is. Mishael, literally, who is what God is. Who is what God is. In other words, God is incomparable. You can't compare God to anyone else. God is, God has been gracious. Chananah, a compassionate God. And the God who has helped Azariah is the one who will come ultimately to their rescue. This can be indeed very comforting to know or remember. Another song comes to mind or a chorus. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It will surprise you. Oh, what? He helped me find my phone because I left it on the bus and I prayed about it and I found it. Oh, yeah? Wait till you, till you find the numbers of people who have lost phones in, in, in less <laughs> lesser circumstances, less, less complex circumstances, you know. Wait till you find people who have had more complicated situations but found no help, no rescue. And you come with your, what we might call a simple testimony. I prayed and, you know, I just left my phone on the bus and I followed the bus or I got so-and-so, I called, called the station and the driver was just there at that time. God is indeed... A great comfort to 
remember and call to mind even how God has helped us. <clears throat> it is also, as we move on, important to see what these guys have determined to do. Because now they're brought before the king in verse 13 to 23. They're brought before the king and he's like, guys, wait a minute. Is what I'm hearing true? You know, I set up an image and you didn't bow? Okay, okay. No, no problem. Where's the symphony? Guys, don't pack up yet. Wait, you're going to play. When you hear the music, you're going to bow. Right? And if you don't. <laughs> in, in, in Nigeria, we say, you will see something. <laughs> you will hear. Oh, we say, you hear we. <laughs> you, you feel it. You wait. Don't, don't bow and, and see what happens. And this is the, this is, these are the options the guys are given. The dilemma is still there. It's real. What to do? Well, here's what Nebuchadnezzar does in, in making this challenge as we look at a few of the verses. This guy, remember in the, in the last installment, could not, for the life of him, figure out what he dreamt about uh, until, and he called all his magicians, his astrologers, his wise men, his counselors, nobody could even guess what the dream was about. And the guy determined, look, I've got to really know. You guys are going to tell me what I dreamt and interpret and tell me the meaning of it. People are like, dude, that's not even possible. <laughs> Who can do that? And before long, it's, it's, the execution order has gone out. And if I read, if I read chapter 2 correctly, they started, they started killing the guys, the, the, those who were his counselors, until they got to Daniel. And his friends and these guys. This is the same king now who's saying, look at verse. <clears throat> look at verse 16. Oh, yeah, verse 15. If you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands. It seems like he's just forgotten that he was bigging up Daniel. And the reason these guys are in the, their place is because of the revelation, the mercy that they found from God and how they helped to, to give him the meaning of the vision. He's forgotten completely. Well, <clears throat> And he challenges the ability of any God, including this God. Because the accusation was that these guys don't even, they don't have any regard for you. They don't have any regard for your gods. He ignored the, the you bit, the personal bit. They don't have regard for your gods. Wow. Well, <clears throat> guess what? Apart from the king, do you know something? I was just, what, what I, that testimony I just shared to you now, where I talked about somebody finding their phone because they, 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 they prayed and then after they prayed, they made a phone call and then found the phone. That was a real testimony, a true account. Someone known to me. But you know, we can easily forget those times ourselves as well. We can forget the things that God has done. We can forget when God has worked on our behalf. When we, when we faced dire, maybe even terminal illness. Circumstances that would have meant, listen, I'm going to end up in custody. I'm going to get a criminal record. 
I'm going to end up in real, you know, dire straits. And boy, did we pray. And my, did God come through. But we can easily forget those times as well. Not just the king. So, <laughs> and in those times, guess what? We can easily just look at God as though, well, what can God do for me now? What can God do for me in this present circumstance? As though he never done anything before. Forgetting what God has done. Again, it's worth, it is well worth reviewing and checking and from time to time. Just, I'm, and I'm saying this to myself as well. What God has done. What God has done. And it will surprise you. But you see, here's the thing. Without even meaning to, the king just asked the right question. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? A good question to ask, indeed. Because here's the thing. Just like we encounter when we are, if you like, outed as if it's not something to be out there outed about our faith about our faith in god about our belief in god about what we believe god can do what we believe god has done has authority over the sovereignty of god when we're outed about those things sometimes people ask us very pointed and triggering questions be like Oh, if there's a God, why is there so much evil in the world? If there's a God, why? You know, all those kinds of things. There's a God, how can you say, you know, if, if, if all kinds of questions. It's an opportunity for us to actually listen. However negative those questions are, however triggering they are as well, you may not have an answer. You don't have to get in there and get all hot-headed and you know, come out looking, you don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it provides an opportunity for us when we listen like that to actually either speak on God's behalf or even leave it to God to work in the situation. Well, here's what these guys decide to do. They answer the king. Nebuchadnezzar, not even oh king Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. This is a settled matter. I'm paraphrasing. We're not worshiping no image. So just leave it. Do what you want to do and let's move on. All right? We're not doing it. They, how could they reach such a, such a conclusion so quickly? You know, it's, it's clear what Nebuchadnezzar says he's going to do. And I tell you, I'm not making light of it. This is not one of, I'm not, I'm not about to say, oh, be brave like these guys. Nah. They were, listen, the furnace is right there. And it can take you whole, in it? And just get a roasting. Come out crisp. Ashes. <laughs> it's like a crematorium. But they deter they've already determined, look, our God is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. What do we believe about God? Do we believe God in some things and then when it comes to yeah, and I've heard this. I'm, I, I believe the Bible, but not quite the Adam and Eve story or the rest of how the people came about. Because, you know, 
if only Adam and Eve were created and then they had Cain and Abel, then where did they get the wives they married and la, 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 la. Hey, I'm not God. Do we have to answer every question? <laughs> but they've determined, listen, and they have lived experience of being taken captive for idolatry and all, and they've determined this is a settled matter. We're not going into this anymore. Is God able to save us? It's a rhetorical question. It's not a question that calls for opinion or um, debate. But it's a question that calls for, okay, what do you and I believe about God? Is God able to save me? Is God able to deliver me? Less it doesn't sound like, um, less it doesn't sound like, okay, yes, you need to have enough faith and then, you know, you will, God will come through for you. Look at what these guys actually say in verse 18. Even if he does not, because they said that God is able to deliver us. Even if he does not, let it be known to you, king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you've set up. Simple. End of matter. Do they have doubts about God being able to deliver them out of the fiery furnace or out of the king's hands? They say God is able, but they say even if he does not. So they know there's a possibility that, hey, this could be it. Curtains for us. And they acknowledge that. Right? I was going to say a bit more about that, but when we think about the fact that Jesus was taunted on the cross, ah, look at him, physician, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross and we will believe you. Was God able to make that happen? Did he make it happen? I think the answers are yes and no to those questions. Was God able? Yes. Did he make that happen? No. Recognizing God's sovereignty, it's God's choice what he does in the time, in the circumstance. As I, as I stand here, I just think and imagine what would happen if I get if I find myself in a part of Nigeria where there's all kinds of, you know, attacks on believers because of their faith, especially in the northeastern part of Nigeria, what would I do if I find myself at the hands of those who call themselves Islamic State West Africa province? And they say, dude, we've seen you on YouTube you need to now read this, this um, thing and, and confess that you believe. Just confess the thing and you're a Muslim. It's solved. End of story. Otherwise, finished. What would I do? Is God able to save? In my mind, yeah, Air Force squadrons bombing the place and rescue. Something like, you know, Steven Spielberg and the rest of the guys would do. But if that doesn't happen... Might be another one more video on YouTube. A sad one as well. Hey. But you see, this calls really for us. If we are the people that appreciate, if, if God has actually saved us, we know he's brought us into Christ. We know who is God who is <coughs> gracious to us. We know who is, is God who helps us. We know there's no one like him. Then 
Let's choose a side to stand on. Let it be God's side. Hard as it may be. And this is what these guys are dealing with at this moment in the, in the, in the message. Next up, quickly. <clears throat> Indeed, knowing that this could be fatal for them, hey, <laughs> the, the book of Hebrews is full of characters who lived by faith in God. I tell you what, God talks about the one who pleases him living by faith or walking by faith in God. That is believing in the God. We can't see God right now. You can hear me speaking. You can see me. We're talking about God who we cannot see. Talking about God who gives us the privilege of prayer. Talking about God who gives us a hope of everlasting life beyond this one in Christ. Are those things real? Is God able to deliver on them? If he is, then this is a really, really serious part of this, of this text that we're considering today. Does that mean that we could actually find ourselves at a point where we lose our lives for the sake of this hope? What do we do then? Would that be the time to say, ah, Christianity was good though, but you know what, this dying bit, nah. <laughs> Let's do something else. Let's find some other religion that doesn't have such commitments. This one is a bit too burdensome. Is God just for the things we get in this life? Or does he have promise for both this life and the life to come, which only he can deliver. Well, let's power through to land this because I'm way over time now. I think I got, I got, I got, the, <laughs> I got the flag. I got the flag a few, more than 10 minutes ago. All right. You see, what happens? We've, we've, we've read the account. We've seen even the mighty men, soldiers who are like elite, tie these guys up and throw them into the, fire, into the furnace. Like I said, it's, it's like, yeah, let's liken it to a, to a cremation. But it's basically a, a, a big furnace, usually one that they would have used to make bricks, and they could see these guys thrown in tied with all their clothes on if you know anything about fire listen clothes that's fire happening like quick takes less than a minute for a room full of things that could burn to really get the fire going dangerously these guys are in there they have time to walk around and the king can see them walking around and can see somebody else. Hey, what's going on? And it is witnessed by all those present. And, they, and he calls them, guys, look, what's going on? Look, look, look. And what's his response? What does the king get in answer to his question? looks like he's beginning to answer his own question now who is the god who will save you from my hands first thing he says i see four men loose walking about in the midst of the fire and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods hmm. and he comes to the door of the furnace calls the guys out servants of the most high god come here what is that Answering your own question now? The most high God? Who is the God that's able to save you from my hands? Servants of the most high God? Question answered. Well, what does he do? Acknowledges that the most high God indeed can deliver. 
God is able. He is able. Even though he may not. In his sovereign will. But look at what's happening. In all of this, in the bigger picture, what's going on in Daniel is God is showing his own people, look, I take worship, I take worship seriously. I take my covenant seriously. I take my relationship with you seriously. You guys don't. Okay, fine. You've gone to these others who don't take things, who don't even know me. You've adopted their idols. You've adopted their images. And you're taking them seriously. Okay, now. They will treat you and show you how people who don't worship God behave. And this is what's happening here. But at the same time, God glorifies himself. Because a king of an idol nation is declaring the name of the most high God. In answer to his own question, servants of the most high God. Servant, who is, which God? Servants of the most high God. He is able to save you. It doesn't mean the man's born again. <laughs> but at least he acknowledges there is a most high God. And God is able to save. Um, despite the accusations and all, he's able to save. In contrast to those gods that could not even reveal mysteries, God is able to save. He's able to deliver. Now, <clears throat> why or what is it that... Um, God does here for these guys. Remember their names again. Hananiah. God has been gracious. Azariah, God has helped indeed. And who is there like God? Mishael. Yes, who is there like the most high God? That's come through now in this, in this deliverance that God's brought about. And these guys have determined that they're going to take God seriously. And God indeed takes them seriously. He rewards them on this occasion. He delivers them out of this furnace. A furnace that cannot even singe their hair. I don't even play with candles or lighters. Try a furnace for size. God is able to deliver. And he rewards their faithfulness. And um, guess what? This is not so much about those guys. It's not so much about them and their belief in God. What God has done here. But... This is God declaring himself as the God who is able to deliver to Nebuchadnezzar and to all those witnesses around. Imagine, the king has come, given a decree for an image that he set up to be bowed down to and to be worshipped. That's what he set out to do initially. But here he is at the end of this ceremony His, his counsel has changed. His counsel has changed. I make a decree, verse 29, that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. And in later on in the verse, he says there is no other God who is able to deliver this way. He came to set up an image, but now he's declaring God is able to deliver. God is able to save. There is no other who is able to do what God has done here. God does these things, not just for these guys alone, but 
as a witness to those who actually doubt God's ability, who challenge God's ability, and who wonder about God's intentions. Indeed, God is able. So, let's, as we conclude, um, note this. When we are challenged, when we are, uh, find ourselves in a, in a situation where God who has been faithful, God who has brought us salvation, God who has helped us in ages past, we're challenged concerning our faith and belief in him. Our options are just really, I adjure you, one. Let's remain faithful to that God, to the only true God, the only wise God, the one who is able to deliver, one who is able to save, God who helps us, God who is gracious to us, and God, indeed, whom there is none else like him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord God, that indeed you are sovereign. It's challenging to us, Lord, when we find ourselves in situations where our trust in you, our faith in you is tested, even confronted. It's not unlike our time, unlike our day, where people get arrested, taken off the streets, just for declaring your word, even just for reading from the Bible, or for talking about you at work, get sanctioned by people in the shadows. Lord, I pray, grant us indeed to remember your faithfulness to us, your mercy to us, your grace to us in Jesus Christ, that we may stand with you, knowing that you're able to deliver, knowing that indeed your sovereign will is to bring us salvation and glory to your name. Again, help us to stand fast in you, we pray, even as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.